0: A young man came to me not too long ago in his late teens. He was pretty depressed. He said he was close to despairing in life because his girlfriend had just broken up with him and he didn't have anything going for him. And he asked, you know, what's wrong with me? What's, what's, why, why, is it my, why is it that my whole life is falling apart? And I said, well, you know, could be the fact that you're a loser and you have nothing to offer. That could be the problem. He seemed a lot better after that, you know. I'm always available for counseling if anyone else (laughs) wants to come, all right? But my point to him was, why do you think that you should be everything you are right now? A man in his teens and early 20s is the most undesirable that he'll be in most of his life. Because men have to take a lot of time in order to build themselves up to become productive members of society. In our times, we have such high expectations for ourselves that by the time we get out of high school, we just get into college, we start thinking that we have to have our whole life together. It's like men don't really begin to mature until their 30s. Like women, that's why women date older men because they mature so much faster than men in almost every single way. We, we take a while. But in our 20s and our teens, a man's responsibility is to build up his reservoir, to build up his talents, so that later on in life, He can turn it into a gift for other people. But you can't do that when you're a young man. You're too ripe. So look at at the life of Christ. It's the same thing with his life. 30 years of preparation. Three years of public ministry. For three hours of redemption on the cross. The first 30 years of life of Jesus Christ, we know almost nothing. He lived in total solitude and silence. And he was God. So he could have come out at any time to manifest his power, to offer the right sacrifice. But he stayed hidden for 30 years, then three years preaching and teaching on the kingdom of heaven, all for the three hours of redemption that he would offer for the salvation of our souls. So why did Jesus Christ wait till age 33 to offer that sacrifice? Well, Fulton Sheen talks about that. He says it was because Christ was in the prime of his life at that time. The grape was, full, was fully ripe, so the sacrifice was prepared. And throughout the Gospels, in the early life of Christ, keep keeps saying the Pharisees tried to kill him, but they couldn't lay a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. And that's what he said to Mary too. What is this to you and to me? My hour has not yet arrived. So what does his hour refer to? his passion and death, the time of his sacrifice. And that's why in today's gospel, it's so significant because he says the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to ground and dies, it remains a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. I am troubled now. Yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. Yet it was for this very purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. So all of Christ's life, the first 30 years of his life, were a preparation for the time when he could offer this perfect sacrifice when his hour had come. And that's why St. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, to the Greeks. Now Jesus said this when the Greeks came to him. Why is that? Why did he point to his suffering and death right when these Greeks come to him who want to speak to him? Well, I think it's because the Greeks are always looking for wisdom. They, they're the birth of the greatest philosophies we have in the history of, of the Western culture. But they're always looking for a worldly wisdom that can make your life the best that it can possibly be here and now. Paul says we don't, the reason that they can't accept Jesus Christ, why? Because the foolishness of the cross. Why is the cross foolishness to the Gentiles? It's actually, he uses the word moronic. The cross is moronic, like a moron. People can't understand it. Well, that's because in the Christian mentality, it's not all about getting everything that we can for this life. Our life is supposed to be a sacrifice for eternal life. And that's something that those who are looking at this world to try to get everything they can to have a utopian of pleasure here on earth, that the cross doesn't compute. Sacrificing my good here and now for the next world, that's foolishness. But if I'm... That's why we really have to ask ourselves, how much am I inspired in my thinking by the world, which always preaches get what you can while you can get it for this world right now, or how much am I influenced by the foolishness of the cross, the glory of the cross, where I lay down my life in the present moment for heavenly glory. You know, we've spoken about the three principal characteristics of a man and its power, ambition, and sacrifice. Power meaning competence. So, And competence, power and ambition precede sacrifice. So in order to sacrifice, you have to have something to lay down, something to give. So the beginning years of a man's life are principally supposed to be building up your competence in certain areas of life, being very ambitious, so that later on you can make a gift of it. That's why it's like, is it better to make a lot of money or a little money? A lot of money if you're doing the right things for it, because then you have more to give back to the world, right? But to get money, you need power and ambition. So a reservoir must be filled before it can give life. If you think about sports, the the problem is if we try to put sacrifice before power and ambition. For someone to lay down their skills in a basketball game, they have to spend countless hours building up their competence in practice, right? Right? They have to have a very ambitious spirit. Then they're worthy of the sacrifice of the game. Then it really means something when they lay down their skills on that court. It's the same thing with every man. And they say one quality of a man is a man, you can judge him by, does he give back to the community more than what he received? Is he producing more in his return than what he took? It's really hard for a priest because a priest, I'm telling you, we receive so much in ordination. Like that's why our whole life needs to be a sacrifice, trying to give back a little bit of what has come to us. But the reason that you have like rappers, gangsters, athletes, entrepreneurs, the reason those kind of men are universally attractive, men want to be them, women want to be with them, is because they have the first two qualities. They're great at something, they have competence, and they have ambition. That's universally attractive. The problem is when many of those men don't have the sacrifice. So that's one temptation. is to build up your power and ambition in your youth, but never turn it into a sacrifice. But that's when we have the mindset of the world. And that's why Christ says, the good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for his sheep. Everyone who came before me came to take, steal, and destroy I came that they might have life and have it to the full. So without, we should say that often, that without the grace of the gospel, without Jesus Christ, I only know how to take, steal, and destroy. I don't know how to make of my life a gift. But Jesus is the one through his gospel who teaches us to enter into that sacrifice. You ever seen the movie Guardians of the Galaxy? All right. What's uh, Peter's father's name in the second one? Ego. Why is his name Ego? Right? The ego, so when you say someone's very egotistical, when all they think about is their, themselves, right? And so he's a very powerful man, almost like a demigod. And then he's extremely ambitious, and his only desire is to spread his seed throughout the world and recreate his image. But what's his downfall? No sacrifice. And because he doesn't have a sacrificial spirit, he leaves a wake of destruction wherever he goes. That can be the temptation of a man who has power and ambition, but lacks the final attribute. So it's like, why is the Dead Sea dead in Israel? Nothing can grow there, right? Well, it's because it receives water from the north, from the Jordan River, but there's no outlet. And because there's no outlet, the water starts to evaporate and only all is left is the, the high density of salt. So nothing can grow. It's the same thing with a human being. If I do not become a gift, if I do not receive and then give away, then nothing can grow in me. Our being atrophies. That's why you know when someone's depressed, one of the most important things you can do for them is get them out of the out of the house, like give them a job or give them someone to take care of. Right? Because human being, we're not complete in ourselves; we can never find fulfillment inside ourselves. It's through making a gift of ourselves, through finding a greater purpose to strive for. That's where we find our fulfillment. And I think it's part of the reason that men are naturally drawn to movies like 300, Braveheart, Saving Private Ryan, The Avengers films. It's like we call those action movies, but for a man, they're usually, they feel like horror films. Like all the men die, like every time, by the end of it. And yet we watch that and we're inspired by it. Why? Because deep inside, we know that that's what we're made for. Like a man is made to sacrifice his life so that those entrusted to him can live. That touches something very deep in us. So, but sadly, most of the time, we don't have the epic battle to die for and we don't get an Academy Award at the end of it. But ours is a humble day, day by day kind of sacrifice. But be attentive. What are the sacrifices that's demanded of us to be faithful Christians. Because it's really important to know the sacrifices of your life because then you can enter into it intentionally. Right? So a, a young woman, the temptation of young, beautiful women is to use that to get many different men. A young, beautiful woman enters into the sacrifice of the gospel of her life when she chooses one man and she gives herself completely to him. The temptation of a man when he gets successful later on in life is to leave his family and to go start over again and, or just be, live the single life. It's easier that way, right? You enter into the sacrifice of the family life. It's like every single day you go to work for your family. That's a sacrifice. You come home. You spend time with the kids. That's a sacrifice. You spend time listening to your wife. That's a sacrifice, Right? Some sacrifices take more than others. But, and the hardest thing for women, what I talk to them about is, I, I, one of them, I was talking to them the other day, and they said the hardest sacrifice for us is like it never ends. There's always more laundry to do. There's always more dishes to do. There's always more meals to make. There's always more kids calling your attention. And no one's standing there applauding you at the end of it. It's just expected. But that's a great sacrifice. And that's a sacrifice that goes to one of the greatest fruits of our faith, which is the family. And that's the sacrifice that the world calls us foolish for doing. That's why when the farther the gospel gets from us, you see the breakdown of family. You see a closing off of life. How many people think it's absolutely absurd that we would stand against contraceptives and artificial birth control? That's a great sacrifice when a woman remains open to life. And it's foolishness to the world. Right? Yet... It's the, the saving gospel of our Lord through his cross, as St. Paul talks about. The world will never understand Say priestly celibacy, right? You know that priests are getting away from the call of their gospel, the call of their life when they start talking about married priests. It means that they've forgotten the very meaning of their life, which is a sacrifice. We're not called to have the family life. We're called to live in the sacrifice of Christ And we get the reward in heaven. But when we lose sight of that, we start looking at how can I get what I want right now on earth. So it's very important that we step back at times and appreciate, number one, appreciate the sacrifices that you do live in your life. What are the ways that you are being faithful to the gospel and standing against the culture that other people don't understand and criticize you for? It's, it's, it's true, but that's where our faith was really built, upon the cross of our Lord. And then ask our Lord, are there, are there ways that I'm fleeing from my cross? How can I be more faithful to dying to myself so that others can have life? In the end, every single time we come to Mass, there's a saying, we become what we worship. Christ says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. So what we do at every single Mass. We come to the worship of Christ. We lift up the host in his sacrifice, draw, still drawing the whole world to himself. But when you receive him, when you receive the body and blood of our Lord, ask him to send his Holy Spirit upon you. Give me the grace to take up my cross. Show me what my cross is. Where is the devil tempting me to put it down? Where are the ways the world the ways of their thoughts that are getting into my mind and help me to conform myself to your cross and to your gospel. And if that sounds pretty, if that fills you with trepidation at the idea of what that might mean for your life, you're not alone. Christ himself had the same fear as he stood before his cross. So say what he himself said in the moment of temptation. I am troubled now. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. It was for this very purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name.